0: This is uh, a little something I've been working on. It's new. I call it. Uh...
1: It's definitely a vibe. You're now tuned into Heartbeats and Mind Studies with Parker. Thanks for pressing play. Speak with you soon. so much thank you for being here i appreciate you all so much so much so much so much so much all right we're gonna get this party started because i don't like to hold y'all too long you know saturday is that that last day that you get to breathe before you have to do whatever you know what i'm talking about for the people that don't work on the weekends (laughs) all right um Dr. Bow was like how how should I address you? You know what I'm saying? You got one of the dopest first names ever. Um, but you know, like, like get on and rep where you from, real quick. Where you where you coming from? Um, it's not the introduction, but you know what I'm saying? Like, do your thing. How how we need to know about you? <laughs> Well, I, um, am Arisha. <laughs> My name is Arisha Bowers. Yes. I, um, I am affectionately
2: known as Dr. O, uh, by many who have trouble pronouncing Orisha, but I'm Arisha Bowers. I, uh, hail from the city of Memphis,
1: Tennessee. Come on now.
2: And, and I, uh, by day, I, um. I am the fearless leader of the National Harm Reduction Coalition's um, national conference, Um, but I am a healer. I am a self-authorized priestess, and I um, just am a friend to many, a mother to a lot, and a lover to some, so... (laughs) (laughs)
1: That, that's what's up, Doctor O. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Listen, I'm gonna take I'ma take that as the intro. I mean, I know you used to kick it, you know, back in the day, talk about yo, what's up, this orisha. You know what I'm saying? But we got we ain't gotta go there. We ain't gotta go there. Um Mom, what's up, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Tell tell us about you. How why we need to represent boo? <laughs>
0: Hello everyone. My name is well my full name is DeAndrea Simone Jackson. I go by Moan. Um I'm from Albany, Georgia. Come on, Albany. Albany Georgia. I'm currently living in Texas. Um, I attend Berkeley online, um, for music business. My platform is the Writers Block. Mm-hmm. I am a creative writer and content curator. Uh-huh. And I'm just I'm so happy and excited um, to be here mm-hmm. to share my healing journey with everyone. So let's get it. Let's
1: get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, the, the song that I was playing is Ribbon in the Sky. And, um, and I think that was so beneficial. Um, and it speaks volumes to what happens to us um, when we come to a certain space on our healing journey it is like i don't know it's just like that thing that you see that maybe no one else sees and um it's just a reminder of love um i am parker bryant um let's see what about me You know, I represent Duval County, Florida, you know what I'm saying? Uh, But now I'm in the beautiful, uh, I think they call this central New York, upstate New York. Y'all, I really didn't know that New York was not New York City. It's actually a state. Don't judge my life. All right. Um, (laughs) um, I am the energy, the vibration, as well as a messenger about healing. Um, my main goal, y'all, is to be a living, breathing entity that like, just heals out loud. And I don't know if I did that on purpose, but it has served great accountability for myself um, to heal out loud. Um, and the reason why I'm having these conversations is because I think conversation is very important, in the black community as well as the black queer community because silence and shame has kept a lot of us in places that we didn't need to be in for as long and by ourselves. I really focus on the heart because the heart is the, the house for the healing work. And I'm not just talking about the organ that beats, I'm talking about the, the, the energy house that everything must funnel through in order it to come back to you. And when our heart is broken, um, everything that in our feedback loop feels broken. And so the conversation tonight is going to uh, speak to um, coming out of the shame um, and the hiding and the guilt around um, substance um, usage and uh, it's very dear to me because as you many of you know that follow my work I have had my my time with uh, substance and um, I've come to a new space in my life um, with it and um, I just hope that someone um, can get something out of this all right so um, we're gonna get this party started Joy and celebration. All right, let's 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 take it to back in the day. Back in the day when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. Y'all ready? Dr. O, can you tell me about um when you were growing up, how how was drugs, substance, drinking, how was that in your world as a young human? What 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 did you know about it, and what messages did you get, even as a young one?
2: Sure, yeah, so as a kid, I can remember as young as maybe seven or eight years old being um a caregiver to people who were struggling with the use of substances. So um, my sister, my only sister who I love, um, you know, it was uh, she's a, a few years older than me and she was already um, struggling with, you know, over usage of substances and I would have to, you know, help her when she would be uh hungover, I would have to I would lie for her mm-hmm. so that, you know, nobody knew. I helped keep her secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can remember that young just feeling like I had to be the responsible party. Mm-hmm. Um you know, taking care of people. And um, later on in life, my mom, who um, was my hero, was using alcohol to mask her pain. She was suffering from cervical cancer. um, And so she was drinking to mask her pain so that she could go to work and be able to, you know, work and take care of me and my sister. Um, But she would wake me up at night sometimes because she would be sick. Mm -hmm. and things like that and so I can remember as early as as early memories um that I had it was you know like you said earlier it was about the secrecy you know you couldn't tell anybody Mm -hmm. because we don't want anybody in our business Mm -hmm. what goes on in this house stays in this house Mm -hmm. you know and you just you just gotta do what you gotta do so we can you know get through to the next day or to the next moment mm-hmm. and so I learned really early on about shame mm-hmm. um, and hiding mm-hmm. and um you know and it just kind of made me uh become an advocate for people mm-hmm. who use drugs people who struggle with substance use because I I I just felt like why do they have to hide you know like why right. can't they just get some help you know right. why can't people just help, you know. And so that has been literally become my life's work,
1: advocating mm-hmm. for people who
2: use drugs and people who are marginalized became my life's work.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Do you, like, what age? What age were you taking care of your sister?
2: Oh, probably, like I said, probably as early as about seven or eight.
1: Seven or eight years old. Yeah. Wow. I was,
2: wow. In, elementary, I was in elementary school. <laughs>
1: Wow, wow, thank you for that. And that just that brings me to work that I know that is being done around um what black what black girlhood um consists of and how certain things in our lives um, enter our lives very early, but just because we are aware of shame and violence, um, that does not take away the fact that you were still a young girl, you know, but if people say, oh, you know about it, you know what's going on, then they automatically think that you're mature enough, and then they put you into womanhood or adulthood. Um, so thank you so much for giving us that lens on, um, what it's like, what it's like, um, I too was really, really early, uh, early when I saw drug um, usage or substance over usage. And thank you so much for the language to use. Um, I, my mother, um, my auntie, and as I put on Facebook, this this uh, session is dedicated to my auntie because all of my life, my auntie struggled with over usage, and it was. Over usage along with the the hardships of um, the things that happen to people who are not cared for because of their over usage, that um, she transcended um, from this earth but I was it was early for me uh, seeing um, the functional addicts or the functional usage, I don't want to say addicts, sorry, the overusage of um, substances. Uh, I remember my mother um, getting high and then going to work at night, you know, because like you said, your mother um, was masking the pain that uh, she had in order to go to work. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mom, tell me about how and when did you see substance overusage in your life?
0: cool um really in all honesty it kind of stemmed from self um it became my way to cope personally Mm -hmm. because growing up I was um very sheltered um didn't get out much Mm -hmm. my mother and really even so my dad like we didn't um get to do too too much without being either out of their eyesight or with you know other family members that they trusted mm-hmm. um so when i started seeing um substance abuse it came from self um self-harm as well um as alcohol for me mm-hmm. and it down. Um, At first, it was due to uh, um, personal trauma that had happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my friends died and we just ended on um, bad terms, Mm -hmm. so that left me with a lot of guilt, Mm -hmm. a lot of pain, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I really took to alcohol and all of this was going on. Unfortunately, while I was in the military, so like I'm you know, not really around family, away from people, mm-hmm. just struggling with situations, you know, kind of on my own and dealing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way I knew how gotcha. at the time to um, pretty much keep functioning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank so you. That's, that's pretty good. much what happened.
1: And in, in relation to that, Dr. O, can you come in? Thank you, thank you, Moan, for being vulnerable and sharing that. Um, Dr. O, when it comes down to family, uh, how do you see family being uh, an intricate part of substance over usage Um, and and the both and? So how does family um, push someone into it or, you know, those things and how does family not being there or support system aid in it. And then, you know, the vice versa, how is family a good thing to have when people are, you know, struggling with substance over usage?
2: So I think so I think it's important to think about, you know, well, I don't want to isolate substance use um, in this answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think any time we have we face any kind of challenge or mm-hmm. any type of life issue, mm-hmm. when we have our family supporting us, not judging us, mm-hmm. but, you know, you know, and not necessarily enabling us either. Mm-hmm. Um we t- we tend to do better. That's no matter what the issue is, but specifically around substance use, it's important to know, you know, if your family is a trigger mm-hmm. for you. Like for some of us, our family is a trigger mm-hmm. for our for our 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 uh, use of, of substances. You know, and yeah. it's important for us to know that within ourselves so that we know how to manage mm-hmm. our relationships with with our family members and friends or whomever and and I know that family can be our biological family or our chosen family, but right, right. just knowing yeah. how you know understanding what causes a person to want to. Um, indulge in substance use is always important, and so when I know that about or when I know and accept because no know, knowing it and accepting it is two different steps but right. um, <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> um when I know that then I can try to make some more informed cho- choices mm-hmm. you know uh, about how much time and how much access I give to people right. on the flip side of it when when you are a yeah, family number two too. That, 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 that. I think somebody need to mute their phone. Um, so on the flip side of that, when I am somebody that is supporting someone who uses, uses drugs or alcohol or what have you, you know, again... I'm not there to judge anybody. Right. I can I can always tell you, you know, what information that I have, sound information that I may have about the harms of using drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I mean, people have to make the choices that they need to make for their own life because they might not see a problem right. with the alcohol or drug use, mm-hmm. you know, unless it's something that's impacting me, then I can share that with you, right? I can right. say when you do this this happens and it impacts me in this way mm-hmm. but that's really the extent of it okay. anything anything beyond that can push a person further into their usage you know but i feel like especially within the black family in particular and then within the, if you are a person who identifies as lgbt in the black family it's important for us to know you know, how all of these things are interrelated.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm,
2: You know, mm -hmm. we have so many things that are, like, connected Mm -hmm. um, that leads to and can continue to exacerbate somebody's substance use. So Mm -hmm. I know i said a whole lot of stuff, but the biggest thing is just, like, having an awareness and recognizing how... My support or my non-support is impacting that person, mm. right? If You not going to be there. You not going to be there. But I don't need to hear about it every time I see you.
1: <laughs> you know I know cool? that's right. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to get into that. Definitely. Um, and Mo, when we are in conversation, like um you can definitely take your uh, phone off mute, therefore you can chime in. This is this is not an interview. This is a this is a conversation. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, okay. look,
0: I want to chime in. Go I ahead. didn't want to um break yeah. up the conversation. But um when Dr. Bauer said um the person doesn't see the problem I was like okay yes I definitely agree because I mean during the time um with me overusing um alcohol I didn't see it as a problem at first Mm -hmm. it started out as something you know that I did socially with friends and then when trauma came on top of that Mm -hmm. it I, I realized you know like while I'm out partying and everything I really don't be fit Nothing like I feel good you know when I'm drinking mm-hmm. so you know I'm going through a bad hard time I'm gonna use alcohol to feel good right. and when I like you don't really think about it it was totally an unconscious decision but it ultimately ended up being a problem because that became the only way that I knew how to cope mm-hmm. and deal with any situation and that I I mean,
1: that's when I realized that it was a problem. Yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed. Um, I was thinking about, too, Dr. O and Moan, about having an awareness of it. So, you know, as I was growing up, I saw um being accepted, but also rejected. So Black family, silence. Um, black church family, shame, you know, and so having family members and uh, that uh, struggle with substance overusage, and then also having family members that supplied the substances. And so the income that was coming from it um, was accepted, but then the overusage wasn't accepted. So then I saw this teeter, this this teeter-totter between, um, you know, we know, but we don't like it, but it was it was some, we don't talk about it. So when I started to use substance, it was like, don't say shit about it because how you gonna say shit about what I got going on when all my goddamn life, this is what's been happening in our family. So then that came with a, a wall or or aggression towards, my family saying something about it so then I would repel myself from my family because I then felt like it was hypocrisy because now I'm the one in the limelight it wasn't and my mama it wasn't my auntie it wasn't a, the, the people who have been doing it the whole life so in in relation to you uh moan it's like my 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 getting away from my family was unconscious, didn't know that before I knew it, I allowed my overusage to keep me away from my family. Because as in what Dr. O said, my family in my mind was a trigger for me. Yes.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so let's 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 keep it moving. Um let's talk about when when did it become important for you to make a, make a choice, like take us down that dark road. And Dr. O, I don't know if, you know, you have ever had substance overuses, but you've been around it. So you can tell us stories that you've possibly, you know, heard or also witnessed, but take us down that dark road. And then what happened that made you shift?
2: Sure. So, I mean, so I, you know, I won't act like I have never struggled with anything on here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know but i always say you know i like to destigmatize any type of addiction because you know even though my my main struggle might not have been alcohol usage mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know i am a i am a person who struggles with food addiction mm-hmm. which is you know
1: similar come on, Dr. Bo. Similar, come on talk coming you know? at that that <laughs> why substance abuse <laughs> is always the one that is highlighted <laughs> but let's talk about the addiction of different things go ahead
2: correct yeah I mean I struggle with food addiction and my th- I had low self-esteem you know I um my family was a trigger because when I was small and I was at you know I was a brick house pop 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 pop, pop mm, everybody was mm. like yeah 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 you know but then when I started gaining weight everybody had something to say right, <laughs> you right. know you need to put that down. You need to push back from the table. On, <laughs> you know, it became a whole situation. And food brought me comfort in other people's situation. Alcohol may be the thing that brings them comfort or makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh or, you know, or, or cocaine or whatever they're using. Mm-hmm. And so for me for me, honey, it was being Jerry's and Makita's
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yes with the transparency. <laughs> <laughs> okay
2: so but when I when I the first thing I had to do you know and I still struggle with my weight like I'm I'm still heavy but the first thing I had to do was like stop focusing on everything and everybody else Mm -hmm. and really take a look at myself and and say to myself like okay this is a thing that I have an issue with this is something I don't like Mm -hmm, and this mm is something I want to change and so I, you know, but I did not make any changes until I was able to, like, deal with me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Correct. I I, I had to disempower everything and everybody else and empower myself, you know. I I, I don't like this, Mm. you know. I want to change this, and I think that from a harm reduction standpoint, uh, we say you have to have a people-first mindset, like, people-first means, Myself, I'm the person in the center of everything and and the rest rest goes out for me. So when I decided, okay, you know, it was the birth of my granddaughter really that made me like make a real hard decision to like start looking at my health, start looking at, you know, what I could do Mm -hmm. uh, and what, you know, what was realistic for me. Uh, because I wanted I didn't want to I didn't want to die you know I wanted to be around to play with her and right. see her and all of those things and so you know so I started down this this pathway to let me just see what's going on right <laughs>
0: right
2: did <laughs> well, right. start with the weight I just started with let me just see what my health is looking like right. uh, and see what type of change lifestyle changes I could make mm-hmm. um to, you know, to have better, to have a better picture, Mm -hmm. and so that's where I am now, I don't diet, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I, I break rules. And for me, <laughs> <Okay>. diet <laughs> diets so have too many doggone rules. So I break rules. I will not go along with no rules. So I just, you know, I try to monitor what I eat. When I feel stressed, I address my depression. Right. Because, I, you oh, know, I was, yeah. depressed, so I was um, diagnosed as depressed. And so I started taking medication. Mm-hmm. You know, being a person that's a healer, I don't really support pharmaceuticals, but I want to be around for my grandbaby and I want her to be, I don't want her to get off my nerves so bad I can't keep her. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so I started taking medication because, I mean, again, when you think about, Mom, um, you said earlier, when you think about how things become, they kind of like compound and compound, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's like it wasn't a problem, but then it becomes an issue. Like, my depression became an issue. Right. Yeah, it made me eat more. Right, you know, right, But I somebody that I loved, and I ain't want to lose her ass, so I had to go somewhere
1: and get <laughs> the and get my ass right. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and that's so important about you know what I'm saying, like having a why, but really get into the root problem of it, you know. And I think that's that's something. It's not that it's missing, but when people come up to people that. Um, have substance over usage Um, they know but they really don't come into that situation and and with that care in mind like it's something deeper going on you know what I'm saying like it's you ain't just out here doing this to be doing this you know Yeah. yeah 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 mom what was that moment
0: Cool. Okay, so I'm just gonna have to be real. I've had You a Better lot not be no way else. <laughs>
1: you know I don't play them games. I've had.
0: I know, I know, I know. Look, that's why I had to come correct. I really had to get me together. I had to get me together <laughs> before coming on. But I've had a lot of those moments. Um, I'll talk about my first and my last moment. Um, the first moment. I realized, like, hey, this is a problem. This is too much. I was actually forced to realize um, that it was a problem. I was still in the military, and um, I actually had to go to AA. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I mean, I'm young, you know. I wasn't exposed to, like, alcohol abuse, like, within my family, like, just, doing what I was doing, coping the way I was coping, and then, you know, having to correct what it was that I was going through. Like, all of that was, like, really, really new to me. Mm -hmm. So, I was closed off um, to healing. And, I mean, I did what I had to do for the sake of the military. Right. I didn't heal the way that... But but I didn't heal the way that I was supposed to. Mm -hmm. So, um... After that, I still struggled with alcohol, but not as bad, not, you know, to the point where it was putting me in the hospital, you know, I couldn't function how I was supposed to, Mm -hmm. but I slowly started to backtrack um, again, and I was going to work drunk, but I was able to function, and couldn't nobody tell it, couldn't nobody tell it. Can nobody tell it? And that, you know, that's so crazy to me. That's why I really, um, careful, you know, with other people's feelings and like consider them because you never really know what people have going on for real. Right. You don't know right. what they're dealing with, you know, beneath the surface. Right. Um, my second and final moment was actually recently, um, I just went through a breakup. Mm-hmm. And trying to cope, wine. You know, I'm already I was already doing the wine thing, but you know, I'm hurting now. Right, so, like right. that wine, you know, it's call, it's calling my name a little differently. Right, like right. it's kind of like you know, like you sitting there alone in your thoughts, and like you by yourself now because you're feeling like the person you want to spend life with, you know, it is no more. Right. So it's like, what do I have that's gonna make me feel good in the moment? Right. And for me. It was alcohol. Yeah. It was alcohol. Um, and I like I was to the point where I was I was eating alcohol for breakfast, okay? Mm-hmm. Like I was, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It, like I used to call tequila I mean, like,
1: shots my breakfast.
0: See, mm-hmm. it's I mean, you know, we joke about it but like that's a problem. Yeah. That's a, it should we shouldn't we our bodies should not be able to function that mm-hmm. way. Like that's I mean, that that's absurd. Like that's absurd. But I mean we do. we do Uh Um, what really got me to stop I was actually pretty much forced to stop Um, like my body it wouldn't take it it wouldn't mm-hmm. take it. Like I did I still didn't feel good. Like I couldn't numb the pain mm-hmm. with alcohol anymore. Come on. It's like that's why this like that's why this healing journey is so different for me now because the things that used to work, like really, yeah. they no longer work. Yeah. I can't cope with alcohol like that. So it's like okay, like I can't cope with that. It it literally, it makes me it makes me sick so I only socially drink like I can't mm-hmm. just be like I'm feeling down mm-hmm. and just drink mm-hmm. um and interesting story, you know I'm a spiritual person mm-hmm. that's another thing about me but um uh, it was probably about two weeks after um the breakup mm-hmm. and I'm in the kitchen washing dishes and where the dishes that dry sit um in comparison to the counter, it's a it's a huge space. Mm-hmm. I'm just washing dishes, minding my own business, and out of nowhere, y'all, my favorite wine glass just shatters. Mm. It shatters. It shatters, and that was really the moment where I realized, like that's why you feeling that way that's why you can't cope with alcohol anymore and it was like now life was really forcing me to be like you know we're not having it
1: right we're yeah. not
0: having it right right so I've I mean I've been you know trying to do the right thing in regards to my healing. yeah ever since yeah ever since
1: yeah you you both brought into our perspective how life will shift you for you you know, because before you had to look at your health, Dr. O, um, you know, it, it wasn't something that you needed to look at until your grandbaby, uh, was born. Um, it wasn't something that you needed to look at, Moan, before going to work, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and realizing that, this this ain't how we gonna do it, you know? And, and miraculous things, spiritual things do happen to intervene on our behalf. And it's so important that, you know, we recognize that. Um, and having that conversation with ourselves and disempowering the things that we empower to be our coping mechanisms, to, to deal with our depression, to deal with our shame. I know uh, for me, it was... <laughs> um getting arrested for the third time uh related to drinking and having to sit with myself and realize how how did I get here? Like how did I actually get to this point? And it went back to, you know, hiding, hiding. Um, I had just came back from college And I was back in my hometown and while I was off to college, I done got saved, (laughs) you know. And then now I'm in this church and I started dating um, someone in the church that was married and they were hiding. And so we we hid every day with alcohol. And then then I started hiding from my family because of. Because, no, I know you're not back in that life anymore. I'm hiding from the church that I'm going to. I'm hiding from the roommate that I had that liked me, and then we had something going on. But now I am having a relationship with the person that's in my room, in your house. It was like, as Monsa, it was said, and Dr. O, it was a compounding type of situation of hiding and hiding. And then after that relationship was over, I was still hiding. Then I started to hide from myself. I started to hide from now drinking every day and not knowing how I actually got to this point of needing alcohol, of needing alcohol to shield who I am or who I thought I was and who I didn't know myself to be. So after being arrested three times and looking at my mugshots and having to get bailed out and having to make that phone call home and 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 and, and sitting and and it, it it just it did something to me. Um it didn't necessarily shift my life at that point but by this time I got three <laughs> I got three mugshots in the system and all of them are DUIs and to the point where it's like I'm about to kill myself out here. And not only that, I can now recall conversations with people where I've harmed them. I've harmed myself. I've put myself in harm's way. And then now I'm ashamed on top of that. Like, how the hell are you out here hurting yourself like this? How are you hurting the people that you say you love like this? And then I found myself in relationships with people who didn't know and probably shouldn't have known how to love me in my hiding. Because hell, they wasn't even knowing how to love themselves in their hiding. Going back to what Dr. O said, I was, I was so gun ho on trying to show people, hey, don't stigmatize my overusage. you got one too. You got an eating habit. You got a sex habit. You got a spending habit. It, you know, I wanted people to see their shit. But then I was only trying to mask my shit. So it's like, it was just like a sick little cycle. It was sick little. It was just, it was fucked up. But the most crazy thing about it was me harming myself. And so that That quote-unquote dark moment for me was when I was standing face-to-face with love. The love for myself, the love for my family. And love said, I love you and I don't want you to do this to me anymore.
0: Oh, that's so deep.
1: And I didn't... I didn't know what that meant because my overusage always distorted my own voice. Because I didn't know how to sit with the conversations of depression. I didn't know how to sit with the conversations of um, rejection of self. I didn't know how to sit with those conversations of insecurities. I didn't know, Dr. O, my last uh, talk, I told y'all about being bulimic. I didn't know how to deal with not having a right relationship with food. So I tried to drown all of those conversations out with alcohol. And then when love said, I don't want you to do this to me anymore. I love you. It didn't happen overnight. But one day after a drinking in the house, thinking it was all good. It got, it became too much. I harmed someone again with my words. I got up, I said, I'm not hiding anymore. I am going to deal with the conversations inside of me. I got up, I cut all my hair off because I was hiding behind my dreads. And I said, you gonna look at yourself. And you're gonna sit with this conversation because love said, I love you. But the healthy boundary is when I see people hide and over usage, they hurt me, and I don't wanna be hurt either. So that was the breaking moment for me, is when I heard love speak back to me in my own voice.
2: That resonates with me so much. Um, for me, it was really about being able to look at my naked self.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I had habits of wearing. I used to wear dark colors all the time, mm-hmm. black. I was, I was gonna slam it down, you know, and, and play tricks on the eye. Yeah. So I thought. <laughs> So I thought, so I I owned a wardrobe of mostly black uh, clothes, but Mm -hmm. like I said, when I had the little beam of of sunshine that came in in my life about a year ago, and I started having a conversation within myself, too, around, you know, I want to be around to see her go to her prom. I want to be around to see her... um, do the things that she wanted to do, and just overall, just thinking about how you know, all of, having all this weight on me, it has robbed me of the things that I really care about. Like I, I'm everybody that knows me know I love me some music and some dancing, right, right? And um, and you know, being this heavy, I wasn't able to do those things anymore. Like that is that is on my bucket list to be able to run again yes.
0: <laughs> because yes. I'm.
2: You know, I, I hurt. Um, and, you know, just not being in pain every day. And so, it for me, it was really I had to come and look in the mirror one day. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. being at home by myself because you said hiding. Though I wanted to speak to that too. Mm-hmm. Hiding. I used to hide and eat.
1: Mm-hmm. I used to hide and drink. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> that I'll put a um, shooter real quick. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and um, you know, well,
2: ain't nobody around, or you sneak and have food in places and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, carry, I carry stuff in my purse and bags, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I um, when I remember being in the house by myself, and I went and took all my clothes off, and mm-hmm. I looked in the mirror, you know, for the first time in a long time, just looked at myself, and I remember busting out crying yes. because. I, Will do it every time. This the body you got. This yeah. is it. This is it. If you if you put that dirt suit on for eternity tomorrow, it's gonna be a size twenty four.
1: So yeah. what you gonna do? What you gonna do? That mirror work will do? get you every time. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Every time. Um. What? That's
2: what, that was the hard thing was just doing something like you were saying, you you had to talk back to yourself. You had to hear it in your own voice. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just, I had to look in the mirror which was something I would avoid doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I looked in the mirror one day, Dr. O, um, I remember the day that I was very seriously contemplating um, taking my life because I just I didn't honestly know how to get out of the shit I had dug myself in, and then, as you said, moan, like alcohol wasn't doing it, it was just making me sick, but that's that's the only thing I knew you know at that point, but i was I was getting so sick because at that point, I was having gallons at the house, gallons, but I was getting sick.
0: Right, you keep a, you see back then you would keep a stash, like you, you would never. Stash.
1: Like if you don't have, if you don't have uh, nothing else, you, you home, got a bottle of. You got
0: a bottle.
2: You ain't got no food. Where? You stop eating because you get my into this. had some chestnuts on debt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the debt, like we realize oh, the 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 debt that our over usage put us in. Because of not taking the time, not knowing how to have a conversation with ourselves or get to the root cause of it. And honestly, um, and I want to transition into it, I didn't have any harm reduction tools. And so I I, I want to talk about harm reduction and why harm reduction is so important as we are all on the healing journey and it may not be um, over usage it may be how you handle yourself as you heal um, so I want to read what the foundation principles of harm reduction is and Dr. O I want you to jump in and, and Moan I want you to jump in and you know how are you reducing the harm because as we all said, it didn't happen overnight it ain't going to happen overnight and it's a journey so What are some tools that we can use to handle ourselves uh, a little bit better and for those of you that are jumping in and jumping out or just uh, came in during the conversation I'm Parker and I am on the on the line with dr. o and moan and we are sharing a very loving and intimate conversation of our journey with our over usage and as um, dr o says we are not stigmatizing any over usage whatever that thing is that is harming you whether it is addicted to pain whether it's addicted to food, whether it's addicted to sex, whether it's addicted to overworking, whether it's addicted to hustling, whether, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it is truly causing you emotional, mental, spiritual, and bodily harm, um, these are some things that you can implement. Therefore, you can transition as need be and find yourself in community with people that um, can support you. Uh, so harm reduction, Incorporates a spectrum of strategies that include safer use, managed use, abstinence, meeting people who use drugs where they are at, and addressing conditions of use along with the use itself. Because harm reduction demands that intervention and policies designed to serve people who use drugs reflect specific individuals and community needs. There is no universal definition of or formula for implementing harm reduction however harm reduction coalition considers the following principles to harm central to harm reduction practices number one accepts for better or worse that licit or illicit drug use is part of our world and chooses to work to minimize its harmful effects rather than simply ignore or condemn them number two Understands drug use as a complex, multifaceted phenomenon that encompasses a continuum of behaviors from severe use to total abstinence, and acknowledge that some ways of using drugs are clearly safer than others. Number three, establishes quality of individual, individual and community life and well-being, not necessarily cessation of all drug use as the criteria for successful intervention and policies. Number four calls for the non-judgmental non-coercive provisions of services and resources to people who use drugs and the communities in which they live in to assist them in reducing attendant harm number five there's eight so i have three more to go ensures that people who use drugs and those with a history of drug use routinely have a real voice in the creation of programs and policies designed to serve them Number six, affirms people who use drugs PWUD themselves as primary agents of reducing the harms of their drug use and seeks to empower PWUD to share information and support each other in strategies which meet their actual conditions of use. Number seven, recognizes that the realities of poverty, class, racism, social isolation, past trauma, sex-based discrimination, and other social inequalities affect both people's vulnerability to and capacity for effectively dealing with drug-related harm. And number 8 does not attempt not attempt to minimize or ignore the real and tragic harm and danger that can be associated with illicit drug use now if it's not drugs you can apply those where needed um dr o can you break that down for the homies
2: <laughs> i'm gonna go i'm gonna try to go barney style all right all right <laughs> so i like to think about people as works of art
1: mm-hmm.
2: Right, we all. I define alchemy as taking something ordinary and making it extraordinary.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We are all ordinary people who go out in the world with all of our gifts and talents, our personalities, our our, our personas, our auras, and we do extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. Period. They don't have nothing to do with any mistakes we may have made, any mistakes we're going to make, etc. We're extraordinary beings. We're ordinary people that do extraordinary things mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, Sometimes we, as people, get judged because we make certain decisions that may be problematic for ourselves or for other people. When you're thinking about applying harm reduction, think about the human being like... A wheel. At the center of that wheel lies the person. Mm-hmm. And all of the spokes that cause that wheel to turn are the things that may be impacting that individual, mm-hmm. like what they were talking about in, in those bullets you read. Mm-hmm. Race, class, where you live, geography, socioeconomic, all of these things that you bring with you wherever you go harm reduction is just a human rights framework that allows you to be fully human meaning you have autonomy and decision-making power about uh, what is going on in your life you get to have a voice in if you want to make changes you get to have a voice in how you go about making those changes Mm -hmm. Um, and, and somebody else is not someplace deciding for you Uh, what needs to change, when it needs to change, or how you are in the driver's seat. Harm reduction, if you think about harm reduction as a framework, it can be applied to any area of your life that you may be having challenges, or maybe you're not having challenges. Maybe you just need the resources and tools that you need to to thrive in
1: life. Right, right. You you don't
2: don't always have to apply harm reduction to a problem, in other words. Right, you right. know, you might, you might, you might not be a person who's struggling with drug use, but the policies that govern the community that you live in uh, push you to the margins, mm-hmm. and so that just means that you have a say so. In creating the life you want for yourself your we're just, we're just choosing to use harm reduction to talk about substance use for tonight 's conversation, but harm reduction is a framework that can be applied to any area of your life, regardless of whether you use drugs or not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it 's about putting you in control of of actualizing of of building the life you want for yourself and it 's making sure you have all the tools, resources, knowledge everything that you need
1: to get that life that you want yeah 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 thank you for that um moan and i'm gonna come back to you dr o thank you moan what are some ways what are some new coping mechanism mecanic- uh, mechanisms lord <laughs> i need to drink some water <laughs> what are what are some new ways that you I'm are Do you hear me uh, uh, what are some ways that you're reducing harm? What are some new uh, coping mechanisms that are, you are using um, in your life?
0: Um. Well, um, two of the main coping mechanisms that I'm using. Um, the first one is just being self-aware. Yes, aware. Um, when you were talking about when you were talking about hiding, um, I pretty much did the same thing. i pretty much known for being like a quiet shy like type of person like that's how I tend to present myself Mm -hmm. um to the world but I know that's due to like self-esteem issues and everything we'll get into that later Mm -hmm. but um I just have to come out of hiding and I also need to be aware of how things affect me um, be aware of how I decide to cope with things, mm-hmm. um, just making better decisions, mm-hmm. and I just feel like, you know, um, self-awareness, it definitely jump starts, um, you being a better person, like, if you are willing and ready to make those changes, and I feel like that's another thing, like, we can say all day, you know, that we want healing, or that, um, we're ready for healing but like are we really you know right. you really have to um take into consideration like what that truly means mm-hmm. and what is going to happen Come you on. know after you accept you know <laughs> trying to heal like look this uh this healing journey I'm always um, I'm gonna say it again like it's different it's yeah. so different for me and I'm realizing a lot and I'm really trying to remember a lot, um, mm. because I'm having a lot of um, like downloads or so like spirit and stuff. is just right. talking to me just about how to deal with things. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, girl, we're not trying to, you know, repeat the same cycle,
1: right? You right, know, right, we right.
0: doing it different. You know, we doing it different this time. So you know, you have the lessons that you're learning now. You have to remember them, and you're mm. gonna have to apply them and continue. Um, to apply them, and the second one um, would be getting out of my head and mm-hmm. getting out of the house. Ah. Um, I know for <laughs> I know for me, um, personally, I get stuck in my head a lot. Mm-hmm. So especially when it comes to um, sadness, trauma, I tend to keep those things on a loop. And it's so easy for me to go inside of myself because, I mean, detaching from the world, that's my personal safe space. Mm -hmm. However, you know, when you're dealing with sadness, when you're dealing with trauma, you know, you're going through a tough time a lot of times you do not need to be in your head like that because you're just going to keep repeating like all of those negative things to yourself. And essentially, you know, you're never going to get out of that cycle. So this is where getting out of the house comes in. When you get out of the house, it doesn't matter what it is. Even if it's just going to the store, taking a walk mm-hmm. but you're gonna focus on that thing that you're doing mm-hmm. and you're not gonna be, you know, so inside of yourself to the point where, you know, you thinking about all of the bad things that you that you either done or the bad things that you're trying to overcome. Yeah. So just I I have like I have to um be active and I definitely have my sister and my friends um to thank for that because they're not going you know for me being down and out like we we have things to do
1: yeah, I know that's it's the right. life to
0: live you know <laughs> like it's like yeah like you can't you can't be so down on yourself you forget to stop living
1: that is so true that you said something so big Self, self-awareness and just being aware of yourself um that's that's major and um my partner was like you know i think Sobriety is not the absence of usage in your life, but it's the awareness that you have around, you know, your usage. And when you see yourself now that we are not afraid to see ourselves, things look a little bit different. Like you, when you hide, you can't see you, you can't see what you doing. All you know is that you just trying to get in the darkest space from all of the people. Um, But when you are okay Mm -hmm. with looking at yourself, um shit hit different shit really does hit different yes. uh, <laughs> yes. Dr O and I'm gonna let y'all go uh we got. One more thing to do after this. Dr. O, again, thank you all so much for staying the, staying the way with us and having this very delicate conversation. If there are questions that you have, if you want to ask, uh, please just uh, raise your hand and I will uh, bring it in. Um, Dr. O, what are some of the things that you are using right now um, to reduce harm in your life?
2: Well, um, as I mentioned early on, like this I do this work every single day mm-hmm. um, and so I you know put I try to put one foot in front of the other, walking down the pathway to meet people literally on their journey where they are, but not lead them where they are when they meet me mm-hmm. um and so you know, to come alongside people for myself personally. You know, I I really had to, and and I hate to go here, but I'm going, hey. cause y'all gave, cause y'all gave me the mic. <laughs> uh, but I really had to, I really had to like increase my fuck you. Yes. Um, uh, no uh, for real. Yes. for real,
0: seriously.
2: Fuck and like start saying in my mind, fuck you, I don't have to do that, or yes. I, don't have to, I don't have to wear that, I don't have to limit myself to that, I don't have to explain anything, you, don't. you know, I had to slay, I always say slay the dragon of perfection, mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's really a white supremacist thing, mm-hmm. um, and for me, come on I, and bring I, the good. knowledge child because I told y'all in the beginning I started with this caregiving thing uh, really early in life and what that created within me was this sense of don't be seen don't be the problem don't be the person who needs help and so I became an overachiever I became an overworker I became a a workaholic Um, and you know, again, it's just all of these different narratives that feed into this idea of I have to do everything perfect yeah. because people who not perfect, they get judged, they get mistreated, they get you know, you just become a people pleaser. So I had to increase mom, my. i phone came on. Okay. Hello. Hello? My, uh-oh. Uh uh-oh, mom. <laughs>
1: oh, Mo. You got I'm sorry. Uh, Mm
2: -hmm. I had to, I had to to increase my fuck you, and not be scared to show up, you know, in my imperfections. Mm -hmm. And I also had to, like, I did, I did take on, um, take on, like, learning more. I took a a course called the Abundant Healer class, and. Uh, like tapped into my spiritual side. Mom mentioned earlier about becoming, you know, having this spiritual path that, mm-hmm. that they were on. I had to embrace that about myself right. because for so long, people had told me, girl, you hear voices, you see stuff, your ass crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to embrace that those were my gifts. Yeah. Um, and so I work, you know, on myself, I do my rituals, I make my potions and things like that. Um, and I really have like, just made myself over in the image that is what I believe is God's image and not what like the world has told me or all of the things that everybody said was wrong with me. I started trying to embrace those things.
1: You know, so that's what i that's what I do I love it, I love it yes to the in, to the increase of the fuck you's like hell yeah. yeah like it 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 was a it's a big thing to like you know what, fuck you, fuck how you feel about me, fuck all that shit, and fuck the shit that you say I gotta be, and that that really helps you drop a lot of weight and literally and figuratively, like you just drop it. And you...
2: absolutely <laughs> I, lost 10, I lost 10 pounds
1: just for saying uh, "fuck for you. you
2: just from being like you know what uh-uh. okay I'm hungry right now so I'm gonna eat this here and I'm not gonna stress about somebody seeing me and you know what they gonna think and am I getting too much and all of that
0: stuff oh, and I on. mean
2: literally just the stress uh or not having the stress has helped tremendously with the things that were causing me to hold on to my weight.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. All right. Here's the last thing, yo. Now that's, that's the word to the wise. Okay. Saying fuck you will help you lose drop 10 pounds. I, I, the dough, I, the dough. I got it. I got him. You know what I'm saying? Um, here is how we end all of our conversations I am going to give you a sentence starter and you complete this sentence how, um, how you choose. Okay. Um, let me get, let me get I was going to ask y'all, I don't know. Y'all might be too young. What beer was the blue bull on? Who know? Who know? Code 45. Code 45, the blue bull.
0: I'm missing it. Oh, doesn't it start with
1: a P? I mean, the blue ball? It come in a white kid? Oh, Lord. Y'all don't remember Malt liquor? Oh, no. no. Yeah, Yeah. I don't remember the
2: label, but I sure remember
1: the name. Law Hammer. All right, let me ask y'all this one. Let me ask y'all this one. Let me ask y'all this one. Uh, Rhonda, raise her hand. All right, Rhonda, Rhonda. Rhonda, you on here? Let's see. Did I give it to you? I'm here. All right, Rhonda. All right. So I got a question. Here's this one though. Oh, I don't got out of it. I don't. Y'all help me, y'all. Okay, there we go. What does the MD stand for in MD2020? Mad Dog. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I was trying to make sure y'all knew. All right, Rhonda. <laughs> this one for you. This one for you. Okay. What's the black folk liquor? Ooh, I'm going to say Crown Royal. Crown Royal. Y'all agree?
0: I agree. But it's- the one in the purple, the one in the purple, not like the original, the OG. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: purple bag. <laughs> Listen, that pur- that purple bag was multi-purpose. You hear me? Still used to this day for them coins. Yes, for the coins. <laughs> you strip a on the side. On the what side. you said? Mm-hmm. All right. So, thank you so much, Rhonda, for chiming in. Um, so, here's a question. You're going to end it how you want to end it. Let me see where I found it. And thank you all so much for sticking around, sticking around. All right. Hold it, understand, got to get it. Dear, and you're going to put your name there. When you were at the height of harm, I needed you to know that. And you feel in the blank. Or I needed you to know. So here it is again. Dear your name. When you were at the height of harm. I needed you to know. You all decide who's going to go first. I'm going to mute myself this time.
0: Mm. Um, dear DeAndrea. When you were at the height of harm. I needed you to know that you are loved and you are never alone.
1: I love it. I love it. And to anybody right now that may find themselves in a space where you're not giving yourself all the love that you deserve, you are loved. And I promise you, you are not alone. Promise you. You ain't gotta do this shit by yourself. Dr. O. Dear Orisha Ali Bows.
2: Yes, whole name. <laughs> when you were at the height of your harm, I needed you to know that it wasn't your fault.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You were not responsible. For other people's actions.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until anybody that finds themselves in places that they are being harmed, the way people are treating you, it is not your fault. It's not your fault. All right. Hey, yay, yay all right y'all thank y'all so much for riding with me dr o and mom thank you thank you so much we love you thank you
0: for having me
1: Ay- Ay- all right y'all y'all have a good night hey Ay- fuck you i
2: got my
1: club and i got my, Ay- <laughs> my seltzer water in my red cup Hey, 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 fuck you. Hey, fuck. You can lose 10 pounds for saying fuck you. Y'all have a good night. Peace. Ooh, wasn't that good. Hey. Make sure you keep up with all things heartbeats and mind studies The podcast, the conversations, my random ass talks um, and thoughts um, right here. So check back for the next episode. Peace.